1: Welcome to Go Green Radio, everybody. So glad that you could join us. Today, we're going to be talking about America's greenest cities. And I'm excited to have our guest on. Uh, Jill Gonzalez is an analyst with Wallet Hub, And they have recently come out with a report where they compared the 100 largest cities across 20 different key indicators of sustainability. And those indicators range from greenhouse gas emissions per capita to the number of smart energy policies and initiatives. And today, Jill is going to help us unpack this report and discuss uh, what's going on in America's greenest cities and also what's going on on the flip side of the coin. What's happening in cities that, uh, well, let's just say have a lot of opportunity to become more sustainable. Welcome to Go Green Radio, Jill. I'm so glad to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. You may have the best first name ever. Do you ever feel that way? I feel that way sometimes. Jill and Jill on the show today. Um, I'm excited to have you on and, and talk about WalletHub's report on America's greenest cities. Um, but first, I would love to have you tell us a little bit more about WalletHub because some of our listeners may be unfamiliar with it.
2: Sure. And I do agree with you on the name thing. Yes, so WalletHub is a personal finance website, and we really are consumer-focused, consumer-obsessed. We like to help people make the most educated financial decisions that they possibly can. A lot of that comes down to being green, to having a more sustainable home, to even relocating to possibly a more sustainable state, as you said.
1: Awesome. And, and how long has WalletHub been around? Uh, are you guys a fairly new organization, or have you been around a while?
2: We've been around since 2012, and we've been conducting this study for about three years now. So we've wow. seen a little fluctuation, so which is always interesting to find, too.
1: Absolutely. Now, before we reveal the results of the re- report, um, I think it's really important for our listeners, many of whom are public policymakers, to understand the methodology that WalletHub utilized to devise the report. Your analysts evaluated the 100 most populated cities in America and assigned points in four different categories. And I'd like to discuss each one of those categories. The first one is environment. And there were 40 points possible in that category. Talk to us about the four subcategories that come under this heading of environment um, and, the, and the sources that Wallet Hub used to find information on these subcategories for each city.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So environment, this first category, was really the most important. We looked at things like the median air quality index, the greenhouse gas emissions per capita, the green space, so that's the percentage of parkland per city, and finally, water quality. And to look at each of those things, we looked at a bunch of information, county health rankings, the EPA, the U.S. Energy Information Administration. So we did look at multiple sources to find each one. Mm-hmm. And,
1: and what were some of those sources? Because I, I kind of found that interesting because I read the whole report, and some of the sources surprised me, like Yelp, for instance.
2: Yeah, so I just mentioned the sources specific to that metric, the Census, the EPA, County Health Rankings, uh, the U.S. Energy Information Administration. Yelp came in handy when we were looking at things like farmer's markets, which I think we'll get to gotcha. later as far mm-hmm. as lifestyle, um, but community garden plots, you know, some things, things like Yelp actually are pretty helpful.
1: You know, it's funny, when we talk about green space, and and everybody understands that that's a desirable thing to have, particularly in a populated city. But, you know, I I live in California, and, you know, because of the drought and projections that uh, we'll have the flip of El Nino this year, we'll have La Nina, and that typically means drier conditions for us, Um, a lot of water agencies are uh, putting out some pretty strict regulations that actually, I think, will, you know, reduce the amount of green space in a lot of cities. And one of the concerns that people have when it comes to climate change is, are we going to, you know, we have to stop watering grass, you know, when we're in a drought situation. But when you look at some of the drought-resistant um, landscaping that the water agencies are recommending, um, the concern is that it will raise the urban heat island effect. And so it's a really, it's really interesting to see the interplay in some of these um, uh, environmental categories. Now, 25 points were possible under the category of transportation, and there were nine subcategories under transportation. Talk to us about each one of these, and again, the sources that WalletHub used to find information for each city.
2: Sure, so transportation as you said kind of second most important here. We looked at everything from the percentage of commuters who drive. So that would be commuters who do not carpool, walk, ride public transit, or bike to work. We looked at the average commute time by a car, so that's also a proxy for how much gas is used. We looked at both the walk score and the bike score for cities. And apart from the bike score, some things not really uh, covered by that are the miles of bicycle lanes in a city, the presence of bike-sharing programs, which most bigger cities do have now. Mm -hmm. We also looked at things like the annual excess fuel consumption, and that measures the gallons per auto commuter that were used as a proxy for congestion levels. So your New Yorks, Mm -hmm. your LAs certainly were high-ranking there. Uh, We looked at intersection density. Again, that's really helpful for both walkers and bikers. And finally, the accessibility of jobs by public transit. So that measures specifically the number of jobs that are accessible by a 30-minute transit ride. So, that, those were other things that we did look at. And to, to really discover those certain metrics, we looked at things like Walk Score. That organization has been around for a while now. They also do the Bike Score. We looked at the Alliance for Biking and Walking, the Center for Neighborhood Technology, and Bikeshare.com.
1: Interesting. And, you know, I was interested in how the the uh, calculation for annual excess fuel consumption was was arrived at? Because that's something that, you know, I haven't seen in other reports. And I think it's an important metric. Do you know where the analysts came up with that information?
2: Sure. So I'm one of the analysts. And for that, we looked at the database of state incentives for renewables and efficiency. Uh, so one of the measures that they use to come up with Alternative fuel programs, alternative car programs, is this excess fuel consumption ratio.
1: Gotcha. Yeah, that's that's a really interesting piece of data right there um, for a lot of reasons, of course. Now 20 points were possible under the category of energy sources, and there were three subcategories for this topic. Talk to us about each of these and again the sources that Wallet Hub used to find information for each city under these three subcategories.
2: Yeah, so we saw a lot of fluctuation within the energy sources. Uh, We looked at the percentage of electricity from renewable sources, as well as the solar installations per capita. And finally, the number of smart energy policies and initiatives, especially at the corporate level. We're seeing this become more and more important. And most of that information comes from the American Council for an Energy Efficient Economy, as well as that database of state incentives for renewables.
1: Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, one of the things that a lot of folks in uh, various states are looking at is, you know, how far does our energy travel to us? Because, for instance, there are uh, windmills here in my area of Northern California that are owned by Florida Power and Light. And because they own those, that's part of their, quote unquote, green energy portfolio. But the renewable energy that's coming from those isn't necessarily fed to their customers. So it's really interesting to see, you know, how a community's utility scores their green energy portfolio in terms of what assets that utility owns versus the actual percentage of renewable electricity flowing through the grid in that area, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah, it absolutely does. So that would kind of Straddle two different metrics. That would be some of the percentage of electricity from renewable resources, and that is listed really on the city's kind of for portfolio. So, if the city is getting their renewable source from someplace nearby, I think that would certainly count toward that city's metrics. So, we're not necessarily looking at who owns the sources, but rather where that is going to. And and I mean the portfolio itself that would fall under the smart energy policies of perhaps Florida in this case, right? Mm -hmm. So that certainly is um, something interesting that we've seen more and more in the past two, three years, that when Mm -hmm. all of these renewable sources were first coming onto the scene, really wasn't a question,
1: right right no it's a complex issue no question but i i love the way that you guys are looking at this and the various sources that you're using to to score this and finally there were 15 points that were possible under the category of lifestyle and policy that had four subcategories talk to us about each of these and again the sources that wallet hub used to find information for each city
2: yeah absolutely so lifestyle Sometimes that's more dependent on how big a city is, the weather of a city as well. So that's why I wasn't giving as many points here. But we looked at things like the number of farmer's markets per capita, uh, the community garden plots per capita as well. Uh, We also looked at the green job opportunities. And finally, the number of local programs that really promote green energy use. So that would be, we saw that the last source was more like a corporate level. This is more so at the residential level for residents who are putting solar panels on their own homes, et cetera. Uh, So for those, we looked at things like the Center for Neighborhood Technology, Indeed, and Yelp.
1: Great. Well, we're going to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we're going to get into the exciting stuff. Who made the top of the list of America's greenest cities? So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after
0: this. News. 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 Opinions. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com.
3: Conservation starts with us. Learn about environmental concerns each week when you tune in to Our Wild World with host Ellie Weiss.
1: Welcome back to Go Green Radio. So glad that you could all tune in. And if you're just joining us, let me catch you up. Our guest today is Jill Gonzalez, and she is an analyst with Wallet Hub. They have put together a very comprehensive report uh, that is – a really, really data-driven report, which I love. I'm the last segment was very geeky, very wonky. This is my kind of stuff. Where do the numbers come from? They have taken a number of different, very important metrics on sustainability and evaluated America's 100 most populous cities, and or uh, populated cities, and they have come up with a ranking, one to 100, of America's greenest cities. And we're going to dive right in now to who was number one, and that number one city was san francisco that city ranked number six under the category environment 10th under transportation 15th in energy sources and number one in lifestyle and policy jill talk to us about what's happening in san francisco in each of these categories that led to it being the number one city overall
2: yeah, I mean, across the board, San Francisco really did well uh, when it comes to everything from green space. About 20% of the city is parkland. It's a very high number for such a big city. And that's something that, of course, really does count for a lot here, and that makes sure that the air quality is a little bit better um, and things like that. So environmentally, that's why it ranked sixth best. When it comes to transportation, so there is a great bike sharing program there which makes everything easier. The bike score itself, which more so looks at how easy it is to be a biker there, second best in the country walk score, third best, so definitely easy to get around. You do not need a car there if your job is close, And even if you're working up in Palo Alto, if you're working a little bit more north of the city, there's great ride share and usually buses to a lot mm-hmm. of these big tech companies that you still really don't need a car. Uh, so that being said, there's very few commuters who drive alone to work, only about 35% of the workforce. That's one of the lowest numbers that we saw nationwide. So San Francisco is certainly leading by example.
1: Well, and I can attest to that. I live near San Francisco and my oldest daughter lives there, does not have a car, works right down in the city. Um, and so uh, uh, everything that you just said is absolutely the case uh, for her and for so many other San Franciscans. And it's, it's exciting to see what they do and they're continuously improving their sustainability focus. And so it is exciting to see that. Now, the number two greenest city is Honolulu. Uh, that city ranked number one in environment. 38th in transportation 21st in energy sources And 14th in lifestyle lifestyle and policy So Jill, tell us what's going on in Honolulu in each of these areas
2: Yeah, so Honolulu, not surprising at all was the number one when it comes to green space as parkland. About a third of Honolulu is, in fact, parkland. So it's obviously great for the air quality, where it also ranks number one. It has the lowest greenhouse gas emissions per capita. And as far as water quality, there's a 0% chance, at least for this year, that anyone there was exposed to water exceeding violation limits. So across the board really cannot be beat for environment, and that's why people go there and and live there to begin with. Uh, Mm -hmm. When it comes to things like commuting, Not a lot of people there are driving alone, a little over half, but still pretty low number, especially for a city that is pretty large in area, has a great walk score and bike score, miles and miles of bicycle paths and lanes, so that's certainly a non-issue there as well. Uh, And when it comes to lifestyle, I think when it's farmer's markets, when it's community garden plots, again, there's... An abundance of that in Honolulu, so I think the people of Honolulu really do respect the environment and go out of their way to protect it, and you see that in their policies as well.
1: Mm-hmm. And what about their energy sources? I don't know a lot about what's going on in Honolulu and and what might have you know caused their uh, energy source ranking to be in the top you know quarter of the cities ranked.
2: Yeah. So energy sources. It's interesting in Honolulu. It did rank 21, uh, so that was not the best in terms of all of their rankings across the board. It was number one when it comes to the solar PV panels installed. That's Mm -hmm. seeing huge, huge uh, residential following in Honolulu. But when it comes to the percentage of electricity from renewable sources, again, it's not in the continuous U.S. This is a little bit harder to come by. It ranked 36 there, so about... 16% or so of its electricity there comes from renewable sources. That number could be improved a little, still definitely in the top half, but Mm -hmm. I think being a little bit farther out definitely affects that metric specifically.
1: That makes perfect sense. Now, the third greenest city in America was another California city, San Jose, the capital of Silicon Valley. Um, That city was number 13 in the environment category, 21st in transportation, 12th in energy sources, and fifth in lifestyle and policy. So, uh, Jill, talk to us about what's going on in San Jose in each of these categories that got it to number three overall.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So California certainly, as it should, did very well in this study. Uh, San Jose, especially when it comes to things like greenhouse gas emissions per capita, they're keeping them quite low. Green space is still in the top quarter here at about 15% of the city uh, having that parkland available. So that does wonders for air quality too. Uh, so environmentally, it is certainly solid. When it comes to transportation, it could do a little bit better, but it is doing very well. Not as well as San Francisco, and that's usually because the percentage of the commuters who drive alone is a little bit higher. It's about three-quarters of the workforce, or 75%. Uh, so keep in mind that a lot of people who do work in San Jose might be traveling from San Francisco on public transportation or on one of these company-provided buses. Uh, but the people who actually live in San Jose can do a little bit better when it comes to carpooling, biking, walking. The average commute time there is about half an hour, Uh, so you are sitting in your car for a while.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it, I can attest to that. I mean, and the fact is that just the topography of San Jose is very different than a city like San Francisco. San Francisco is very is much more dense. San Jose is spread out, um, and, I, and it doesn't have the Bay Area Rapid Transit or BART train uh, going to it yet, and I think that makes a big difference in the transportation. But go ahead and talk to us about the energy sources and the, the policy piece.
2: Yeah, and just to kind of solidify your point, so with San Francisco, we said its bike score, its walk score, second and third respectively in the country. San Jose, more like 23 on its bike score, 32 on its walk score. So certainly more spread out, a little bit less accessible. Um, yeah, and, and moving on to its energy sources, that's actually where it does quite well, which does make sense, right? So many of these tech companies are sustainability-focused, it makes sense that about 30% of San Jose's electricity does come from renewable sources. When you're looking at solar, PV installations, it has the third highest rate in the country. And energy policies, it does rank well within the top 20 as well. So a lot of those standards are in force and are really being met. And to kind of back that up, green job opportunities in San Jose are one of the highest scores in the country. Uh, San Francisco is number one here, but San Jose definitely right behind it. So, again, a lot of these companies there are green and sustainability focused, so the jobs are certainly there.
1: Well, and it's interesting to hear that, you know, there's kind of a corporate driver behind these sustainability scores, not necessarily a public sector driver or, or even residential uh, driver for the sustainability, that so much of what helped the city rank well in sustainability was actually the business. That's, I think that's very interesting. Well, it looks like the Bay Area of California is killing it because number four um, on the list is Fremont, California, which is right north of San San Jose. Um, that city ranked number two in environment, 83rd in transportation, uh, one number one in energy sources, and 37th in lifestyle and policy. So talk to us about what's happening in Fremont.
2: Yeah, Fremont was interesting. You know, it's kind of up and down because a couple of these categories are weighted more than others. That is what helped push it into that number four spot. So one of them is the environment. It ranked number one in in terms of its water quality. Again, 0% of the population had a chance of being exposed to these water violations that, unfortunately, many other cities did see this year. It's also number one when it comes to green space. About 40% of the city is parkland. So that does wonders for the air quality. Yeah, I think that was kind of a surprise to us, too. You don't necessarily put the two together, but great parkland opportunities there. And then it also did very well when it comes to that lifestyle and policy ranking. Uh, Specifically, it's green jobs and it's community garden plots. I think because there is so much green space there, people themselves want to get in on the action. Mm hmm. That's pretty exciting.
1: And now rounding out the top five greenest cities in America is uh, the city that calls itself America's finest city I used to live there when I was in the Navy. um, And that's San Diego. And that city ranked 16th in environment, 14th in transportation, 13th in energy sources, and seventh in lifestyle and policy. Talk to us about what is happening in San Diego in each of these categories, Jill, and what led the city to its number five overall ranking.
2: Yeah, so San Diego finally giving Southern California some love. It does really <laughs> well when it comes to those energy sources. I mean, 30% of the electricity there is from renewable sources, and we're also seeing the fourth highest rate of solar PB installations. So the residents really are, I think, environmentally conscious you know they really do want to be helping the environment and of course it helps that the policies there are great for residents when it comes to these installations you know you're really getting that return on investment quicker than most other cities so that really helps San Diego of course the lifestyle there is reflected here too it has the most farmers markets per capita it's tied with San Francisco and Honolulu for those really high metrics uh, when it comes to community garden plots, there's a lot of those things happening. And again, the local programs, both for residents and for corporations there, are very attractive.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and they are trying to create a clean tech hub uh, you know, in innovation and research and design uh, on the private sector. Even UC San Diego is involved with some of the research that's backing that up. So there's a lot of public-private partnerships going on in san diego um you know around that and and that's a a very exciting you know situation very exciting to see what san diego is doing and they really are at the very 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 end of the water stream for california and so um whenever there's a drought they feel it very harshly in San Diego. And so I think people there are very well aware of their environmental impact and how important some of these critical systems that are impacted by climate change and, and what have you will be to the vitality of their community. We've got to take a quick commercial break and when we come back, we're going to talk about the other end of the spectrum, the cities that ranked lowest um, with Wallet Hub's uh, report. And so don't go away folks, we've got more Go Green Radio right after
0: this. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspiring really fast. All the time, the number 1 internet talk station where your opinion counts. Voiceamerica.com
1: Welcome back to 15 Radio, so glad that you could all tune in, and if you're just joining us, let me catch you up. Our guest today is Jill Gonzalez, and she is an analyst with Wallet Hub. We're talking about America's greenest cities, and we just, in the last segment, went through the list of the top five based on... A variety of metrics that WalletHub used to analyze the 100 most populated cities in America. Now we're going to go to the other end of the spectrum. Which cities ranked lowest um, in this report and why? And so Jill, let's talk about these cities at the bottom of the list. Number 96 is Corpus Christi, Texas. And they ranked number 97th in environment, 69th in transportation, 50th in energy sources, and 66th in lifestyle and policy. Talk to us about what's going on in Corpus Christi and some of the improvements that they could start to make to move up the list of America's greenest cities.
2: Yeah, so for a lot of these cities, you'll see that it comes down to environmental issues. They might be more factory-driven cities or things like that. Uh, That's also driven by policy. So those two things really have a snowball effect, I would say policy more so on the environment. Just looking at Corpus Christi, the water quality there is one of the worst in the country. About 20% of residents there uh, could have potentially been exposed to water, exceeding a violation that's just during the last year alone. Kind of a scary thought. Uh, Not a lot of green space, about 8% of the city is parkland. Of course, that doesn't really have the best effect on the air quality as well. So that's why environment is down there in the dumps. Uh, and I think some of those greenhouse gas emissions is coming from a lot of commuters who drive alone, about 85% of the workforce. And that's because there's not the best walk scores, bike score, not a super accessible And unfortunately, not a lot is being done about that. Nothing really is in the pipeline for more bike paths or routes or lanes. So that certainly needs to be taken into consideration in Corpus Christi.
1: Absolutely. Now, coming in at number 97 is Toledo, Ohio. And I noticed that you are an alumna of Ohio State University, so I'm sure that you're familiar uh, with what's going on there. Uh, Toledo, although that's not where Ohio State University is, of course, um, but... um, they ranked 88th in environment, 78th in transportation, dead last in energy sources. I can't wait to hear where their energy is coming from. And 85th in lifestyle and policy. So, Jill, talk to us about what's going on in Toledo and where they could make significant improvements.
2: Yeah, so first off, I think most people in Toledo are Michigan fans. We won't hold that against <laughs> them. Uh, but Toledo's interesting. You know, it is a city along the Rust Belt, it's very close to Cleveland, it's very close to Detroit, cities that are really trying to recover and that were so linked uh, to energy sources and those types of manufacturing community jobs. So Toledo actually has taken steps forward to really diversify the industry, uh, to really look into other types of energy sources, which they have. They've actually gotten pretty involved in the solar industry. I think they have a long ways to go there, but they're foot is certainly dipped into the pool. Unfortunately, they are still getting the bulk of their energy sources from non-renewable products, and that's something that isn't going to change overnight. I think they have a 10-year plan to really get that over wraps. Um, But in Toledo, we're still seeing really adverse effects that just years and years of a factory uh, lifestyle has been built upon. When it comes to green space, Still not a lot, around just 6% of the entire city. The water quality, I did say it is very close to Detroit. They're seeing some of the same issues. It's Mm -hmm. the third worst in the country. About 45% of the population there was potentially exposed to water exceeding those limits within the past year. Obviously, Mm -hmm. something very scary, something that the city is well aware of, uh, something that does really need to be taken care of. And I think this is where we're really going to see a turn in policy in that whole region of the country.
1: I hope so. I mean, that was, you know, what happened in Flint um, and, and what's happened to a lot of cities that are near the Great Lakes when you're talking about things like algae blooms and other, you know, issues that could affect water quality. Um, I think it's been a, a real wake-up call, and I'm hoping that we don't have to have another Flint situation to improve the water quality. But there's so many issues that you know feed into that. It's not just lead pipes. You're talking about agricultural runoff. There's just so many issues. Um, even a lot of the mayors who have city and they're part of the alliance around the Great Lakes um, to look at water quality issues have been looking at the impact of microbeads. And it's just, it's a very, it's of course very complicated, but I think the more that these cities come together to look at shared public policy and regional uh, public policy, um, the the faster improvements uh, we'll we'll be able to realize. Now, ranked number 98th is Tulsa, Oklahoma. And they ranked 99th in environment, Thirty-first in transportation, 27th in energy sources, which is actually a little bit higher than I I thought they might, um, and 82nd in lifestyle and policy. Um, So, you know, relatively speaking, they didn't rank too badly in transportation and energy sources, but talk to us about some of the strengths and weaknesses in Tulsa's green portfolio.
2: Yeah, so Oklahoma did not fare too well. Tulsa is down here at the bottom. Right after that is Oklahoma City. So some things that they definitely have in common, some things one city does better than the other, as far as the environment goes, both are definitely struggling. When we're just looking at, again, water quality, anywhere from 20 to about 40%, Oklahoma's more like 20, Tulsa more like 40% of the population there has been exposed to those water violations, so it has to be looked at, and both of these are very industrial cities, not as much as they once were. Tulsa a little bit more now, uh, but certainly that should be added to the mix here. Both could do better when it comes to green space. They have about seven percent each areas as parkland. Uh, a lot of greenhouse gas emissions as well. So some of that does stem from the envir- from the transportation issues. I should mm-hmm. say. Very big commuter cities, most of these commuters, about 80%, are driving by themselves not carpooling, not using public transportation because there's really not much public transportation to use. So that, of course, you really can't fix overnight. That's more of an infrastructure issue. But now with ride-sharing platforms, with certainly bike-sharing opportunities to be had, those are things that are a little bit more doable, certainly, for both cities. So hopefully we see that underway. And I do know that at least Oklahoma City has plans for more bike routes and paths coming soon. Mm -hmm. So that's where those things could then have a snowball effect on the environment, get some better air quality, water quality going.
1: Well, and both of those cities have sort of, uh, they're, they're very spread out. And so people that are actually working in the cities Some of them are coming from pretty rural areas or, you know, not very densely populated areas. And to put public transportation in to serve the needs of those commuters would be pretty costly. And I think that's been true for a lot of cities where, you know, they were not built on a limited piece of real estate like Manhattan or San Francisco, where, you know, the the, Infrastructure uh, for public transportation went in with the building of the cities. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, do you guys take that into account at all when you're ranking the cities or, you know, what's the, you know, what's the thought process around the actual geography of these cities?
2: Yeah, the way that that is taken into account is we do look at the annual excess fuel consumed that we mentioned earlier. So that's basically how long are you sitting in traffic in your car. In -hmm. these more rural places, that's not as much as a factor. So that's where both Tulsa and Oklahoma City ranked very well. There's not a lot of gas being wasted. The same can be said with the intersection density that we did look at as a metric. Uh, Again, not very congested cities. You can get to and from without really wasting a lot of time or gas. So that's how we look at more rural places in terms of Mm -hmm. geography. So those that's part of the reason why both of their transportation scores were not too too bad here because that kind of did offset it a little bit. It's not like you're in New York where if you are driving, you're wasting a lot of gas and the same could be said for LA which I think is less of a public transportation city where so much of your fuel is being consumed by waiting in traffic. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I know that this next city that we're going to
1: talk about is not far. You know, it's kind of next door to Oklahoma, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And everybody knows that, you know, being Gulf states, uh, there's a lot of oil refining going on there. Is, is that industry greenhouse gas emission footprint part of their greenhouse gas emission score or is it all based on personal transportation?
2: It's certainly a part of this greenhouse gas emissions. It's, we see it in Texas. Uh, we see it in the Dakotas as well. You know, this is giving off greenhouse gas emissions. So that's just added on to all of the residential footprints, uh, all of the factory footprints as well. So that is why Baton Rouge does rank as number 100 here. Uh, mm-hmm. Water quality? Not too bad. It's not in the top half, but not necessarily in the bottom 10 either. Air quality could be a lot better, and there's not a lot of green space there. So that certainly doesn't offset any of these emissions that are being given off. Only about 3% of the city is actual parkland. So that plus a huge commuter uh, population, again, not a lot of public transportation taking place, and there's that component of having an active lifestyle that you see in several cities across the country that leads to more walking, leads to more biking, leads to overall a more aware population that's mm-hmm. just not there in Baton Rouge at the moment. That's not to say no one's aware of the effects of greenhouse emissions, but it's really through policy, not, uh, not really motivated. There mm-hmm. in the city, so I think people getting out, getting active, biking more, walking more certainly would help Baton Rouge and policies in place not not only for that but for things like solar panels would also help as well
1: well, and quite frankly, if you don 't have a population who 's motivated. Um, and aware of what's going on in the environment and the impact that has on their lives it's going to be pretty tough for public policymakers to run on a platform of improving those things because that won't be top of mind uh, for voters so um, it's kind of kind of a, a dual-edged sword there um, when it comes to trying to improve public policy without the public's will being behind that we've got to take a quick commercial break but when we come back we're going to talk about some of the categories that are highlighted in the report so don't go away folks there's more go green radio right after this
0: streaming live the leader in internet talk radio VoiceAmerica.com.
3: Conservation starts with us. Learn about environmental concerns each week when you tune in to Our Wild World with host Ellie Weiss. Our show centers on Africa each week and what's being done to save our wildlife, ecology, and ourselves. However, we'll also discuss what's going on closer to home. And most importantly, we'll let you know what can be done in our own backyards by featuring guest experts and featuring your questions and answers. Listen every Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
0: Streaming live. The leader in internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com
1: Welcome back to Go Green Radio. Thanks for joining us, everyone. And I just want to say a quick reminder that Go Green Radio is just a part of a bigger organization. Um, in 2002, I formed a nonprofit environmental education program called the Go Green Initiative, and Go Green Radio is one of the many ways that we reach out to school communities and public policymakers um, across the country and around the world to talk about issues that will impact future generations. And if If you'd like more information about the Go Green Initiative, you can find us at www.gogreeninitiative.org. Our guest today, if you've just tuned in, is Jill Gonzalez, and we've been talking about Wallet Hub's brand new report that just came out, ranking America's top 100 greenest cities. And Jill, I'd like to dive into a, a few of the details of the report and compare and contrast some of the cities within the the categories that are highlighted on the report. For instance, Minneapolis um, ranks highest on the bike score, but they've got terrible winters. <laughs> and I was wondering how it could be with all the snow and ice that they have for months out of the year that they ranked so highly where a city like San Bernardino, California with a mild climate was one of the lowest ranked cities on the bike score. Talk to us about it.
2: I'm glad you brought that up because the bike score, which is developed through the Walk Score organization, has nothing to do with weather, which I think most people would be surprised to know. But it has to do more with bike lanes, hills, destinations where you want to go and road connectivity, and the bike commuting. So things like the fact that biking is social, that infrastructure is definitely important, but it's not necessarily the most important, Uh, all of those things come into play. So because Minneapolis is a little bit tighter, a little bit more accessible than, say, a San Bernardino, more uh, easy for people to get to work, to do their errands, things like that, that's why it has one of the highest bike scores in the country compared with more spread out cities
1: gotcha. Yeah, because I was just trying to imagine like America's number one ranking bike score and people in February slip sliding around on bikes. It was like, I don't know. (laughs) That doesn't make sense, but now I get what you're saying. Um, In looking at the cities with the largest and the smallest number of farmers market per capita, I noticed that Newark, New Jersey was one of the bottom ranking cities and I actually do a lot of work with several schools in Newark and it's a city with a lot of tough issues that it has to contend with. So is it just a matter of public policy that's keeping Newark from having a better ranking on farmers' market or markets, or is it some other factor?
2: It's a few things. So I think it's really the lifestyle there as well. Do people want to go to farmers' markets? Do they care about fresh produce, things like that, where uh, you know a city like say San Francisco really does thrive on that type of thing? Uh, so is the market there for it number one. Are the opportunities there? Are there really safe environments for people to set up shop and to be safe while doing things like that, while not only shopping or being the, uh, the shop holder? So I think it's two things as well as policy. You know, is, are things like organic markets are things like, you know, not being in a food desert, are they really supported by the policy there, which I think Newark could certainly need some work, but as you said... They have some other things to really deal with first. Well, and
1: when Cory Booker, before he became a senator, when he was still the mayor there, he had a very robust sustainability um, department within city government and city hall. And farmers markets were high on their list. And And I'm not sure what's happened since he left to go to the Senate in the last few years. But, you know, that was something that they were really looking at and something I hope they will again, because um, it's not that the people who live there don't want fresh organic produce. They certainly do. You know, every mom and dad is you know, concerned about the nutrition for their children, but the accessibility issue of, you know, can I use maybe uh, assistance programs to pay for farmers markets? You know, um, you know, are they available when I'm not working? And, you know, the, a typical work day in San Francisco is very different than maybe shift work that's going on in Newark. And so these are issues that, you um, you know, issues of mitigation that I hope that we can take a look at. And maybe if there are um, folks who want to sound off on that and even send me an email on some ideas, I would love to hear that because I'm really concerned about a lot of cities like Newark. Um, In looking at some of the cities with the highest and lowest percentages of green space, I noticed that North Las Vegas was near the bottom. But I was wondering, is that a fair assessment? Because they're a desert community. And I was wondering... You know, I mean, wouldn't it be a waste of water for them to create more green space? Talk to me about that.
2: Sure. So by green space, no, we do mean that designated parkland. And I think that places like North Las Vegas Could certainly be an exception here, right? Does that make the most sense? But because it is one of the most populated 100 cities in the country, we did decide to go ahead and include it, and there was data available on that metric. But I think you certainly have a valid point that, you know, that doesn't make the most sense for every city. Are there good effects for both air and water quality? The more parkland there is, yes. But, again, doesn't make the most sense for all places. Right. You know,
1: and, and out here in the Western states, um, everybody's fighting over their portion of the Colorado River, um, the water that, you know, feeds so much of the West. And, you know, Las Vegas is a community that has even offered to build desalination plants for San Diego if they could have their, their water from the, you know, from the Colorado River. So, I mean, it's really a tough issue and something that you kind of have to assess the geography, I think, in these in these metrics as well. Now, I realize that greenhouse gas emissions and air pollution are not synonymous, um, but I think the average person, especially those who are aware of air quality issues in California might find it confusing that Riverside, California and Oakland, California made the list of cities with the lowest greenhouse gas emissions. Yet both of those cities are known to have some pretty significant air quality issues. Help us make sense of that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So air pollution, greenhouse gases, and the climate change kind of discussion All are separate issues, but very much interrelated. So the greenhouse gas issue, and when we're looking specifically at Riverside, uh, we're seeing that it's very, very low, about 0.09 emissions per capita. And yet, when we're looking at the actual air quality, it ranks 98th. So it was second best for greenhouse gas emissions, 98th. For the air quality. So, there's a lot of other things that go into air quality besides these greenhouse gas emissions. You can think of them as as kind of more ozone layer type issues where your air quality is what you're breathing in right here on surface level. So, that's really where we're seeing these effects. That comes more so from really residential issues. Again, not having the solar. TV policy to back this up when it's looking at not only your cars but what you're using for residential heating and cooling as well.
1: Mhm. Well, and Oakland, you know, has a huge port. And so you're know, in the western part of Oakland, you've got a lot of kids with asthma problems. It's a, it's a huge issue. And so I was wondering how it is that they ranked so high um, in terms of well, I are low, I'm not sure how to say that, they ranked well because they had lower greenhouse gas emissions. How is that possible when they're right there on the port?
2: Yeah, so Oakland, we said that Riverside was second best in terms of greenhouse gas emissions. Oakland is fourth best. And I think that being actually closer to the water is helping Oakland just for this specific metric. Even mm-hmm. when it comes to air quality, It's not doing as poorly as Riverside. It ranks about 39th -hmm. instead of the 98th that we saw in Riverside. Water quality is still actually in the top 15. So Mm -hmm. all of those things certainly combine to really look at better emissions. Mm -hmm. It also helps that Oakland has a lot more green space. About 20% of the city is parkland. So that, again, has a, a great effect on the air quality.
1: Understood. Well, thank you so much for helping us make sense of this report, dive in deep and unpack it. It's been a pleasure having you on, Jill, and we welcome you back anytime. I thank all of our listeners for tuning in. We'll be here same time, same place next week with more Go Green Radio. Until then, have a wonderful week and do something in your life to go green.